0: To learn from Jesus, we must follow him. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. To find our purpose, we must follow him. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I came that they may have a life and have it abundantly. At Mansfield Bible Church, we believe by following Jesus, we learn to live a life of purpose.
1: Well, this morning as we begin this series, I began thinking a lot about over the last really two or three months here, I've I've gotten our staff involved in some of the things over the next few weeks we'll be talking about. I've gotten the elders have obviously been involved and different people and and been thinking through this. And so I began to think, well, what, is, what does a follower of Jesus look like? So one of the things I did is what I did for 15 years in the restaurant business. I began to think about restaurants, you know, and mission statements and things like that. How do they reflect? And you can't go very far without thinking of Chick-fil-A, right? I mean, I mean, if there's a company that believes that carries out their mission statement, it's Chick-fil-A. In fact, this is their, this is their uh, mission statement, to be America's best quick service restaurant, at winning and keeping customers. Pretty good, isn't it? I mean, they work hard at winning customers over and they work hard at keeping customers and they had some other things. In fact, S. Truett, uh, Kathy, who's the founder of Chick-fil-A, he said this. He said, nearly every moment of every day, we have the opportunity to give something to someone else. Our time, our love, our resources. I have always found more joy in giving when I did not expect anything in return. And so when I was reading about him and their their site and stuff, this was the quote that he used to explain why why is it their employees would say, it's my pleasure or my pleasure. To just simply say my pleasure. And I thought, wow, boy, you you can go into any Chick-fil-A. It seems like anywhere. I've been several in different places, and it seems like you see a consistency, right? They've done a really good job carrying out their mission statement. Well, I was in the restaurant business and different companies, but I was with one mostly for a long time. Many of you know, I'm not going to mention it this morning, but many of you know, (laughs) and uh, their mission statement goes like this, to offer reasonably priced quality food served quickly in attractive, clean and surroundings. I spent like a week on a, on a, on a training going over that statement. Um, I've never forgotten that. And so when, now that I haven't been in the restaurant business for a while, I really don't look forward to going into that restaurant anymore because when I go into that restaurant, I see everything that's wrong. Well, in fact, in, I go into most restaurants, I see things wrong. I have to kind of get myself out. Even though I haven't been in that business in about 12 years, it still kicks in. So not recently... Uh, my wife likes this, uh, well, we both like this uh, kind of a plant-based uh, uh, sandwich. And so she's like, hey, let's pull in here and let's, let's, uh, let's order this sandwich. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go to this place. I really don't, because I just don't like going there um, because of my past history. But since she was really one we, and we whipped in there. And as I whipped in, the first thing you notice is the lights on the outside of the building aren't on. It's about 6.30, seven o'clock at night, it's dark out. You see the lights on the inside, but none of the lights are on the outside. So I began to chuckle and I remember pulling around to the drive-through and <clears throat> sitting at the drive-through. And one of the things I used to hate really bad is when I sit at the drive-through and I don't get greeted. And I'm sitting there and I finally go, hello. Oh, I'm sorry. Our drive-through is closed. Will you please pull around inside? Well, you're going to have to come inside. Is exactly what they said. <laughs> I just started laughing. I'm thinking, okay, just drive off right now. But you know wife is really wanting these, this sandwich. And so, you know, I'm okay, let's, let's go. And I'm kind of chuckling as I'm driving around and and I have a few comments because of my past history, but nevertheless, I pull around, I get in by the front door. And as I go get out of the truck and start going in the door, I'm already laughing. As I walk up to the door, I see a mop bucket with a mop in it right inside the door. And I'm like, (laughs) why am I doing, I mean, I'm not writing this up folks. I promise this really happened. And I'm just kind of chuckling about it. So I open the door, and as I open the door and I walk in, the mop bucket was uh, was sitting here, but the mop handle went across this way. I mean, literally, I had to kind of scooch around the mop bucket to get in to go place my order. I mean, if there was ever a restaurant telling me, I don't want your order, this was the restaurant telling me, I don't want your order, right? So nevertheless, I, I really want to get my wife this sandwich. And so I go up to the register. And, um, and, and normally in the past, I would be boiling, you know, yelling. I'd actually be on the phone with the store manager and everybody else, you know. But nevertheless, I'm like, I'm a customer, no big deal. So I walk up and I'm kind of chuckling. And the young man is there to take my order. So he takes my order. And I got two of these sandwiches because they were on sale for like six dollars. And and he ordered, he told me when the total was over, he told me I owed like fourteen dollars. And I went, uh, isn't it two for six? And he goes, oh, you want that sale? No, I just want to give you my money, man. That's why I came in here. You know, I, I came in here to be treated rudely and to give you no, I, I didn't. So I said, he said, oh, okay. So he rings it up. Well, as he's trying to ring it. All of a sudden, he kind of goes, <clears throat> and he reaches down and grabs this trash can next to him. <clears throat> And I just went, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, Lord, really? Why are you doing this to me, you know? I'm in this restaurant. Uh, and I just really have to laugh, okay? Um, you know, my wife really wants that sandwich, you know? And so uh, got to get this. I've got to get this, you know? And so anyway, go through all that. <clears throat> the guy that, I actually, I became very eagle-eyed because I could see the board and made sure that everything was followed the way my food was prepped, too. And so, anyway, I get my food. The guy gives me food. And as he walks towards me, I realize, oh, my goodness. Well, you know, his pants had dropped, and he forgot to pull them up or something. And his boxers were just for everyone to see. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. So I'm walking out of there, and I'm literally laughing at this point. And I began to think, though, I began to think for a moment about following Jesus and all of a sudden it struck me, as like, well, how, do, how does the church come across? I don't mean just NBC, the church as a whole. How do, we, how do we begin to reflect Jesus? How does NBC reflect Jesus? We worry about a lot of different things. We worry about chairs, we worry about building, we worry about programs, we worry about all kinds of things. But, but when we're following Jesus, how do we reflect Jesus. And then as a, as a Christian, as a believer, as, a, as, a, as a, someone who professes Christ, how do I do? It really, it really, really challenged me a couple months ago as I began to think about this. It really began to challenge me about my faith, about my walk with God. And, I, and I've listed some things when I did with the, the, um, the staff, and some of the things I listed is I, I began to say that I'm very passionate about Jesus and following Jesus. In fact, if you're gonna be around me, in fact, this is probably gonna ruin all my lunches and any kind of coffees nobody's gonna to wanna to meet with anymore because one of the things I became very intent on is challenging people to follow Jesus. I mean, following him. In fact, I believe because I believe that God has created us for something greater than ourselves. And that the only way we find that is by following Jesus. I'm like, why would, I wanna, why would I wanna share anything else? If you don't know Jesus, I wanna share about who Jesus is. And if you know Jesus, I wanna challenge you to follow him. You see, I don't wanna play the games anymore. I think one of the reasons why the church in America is dying is because God's people have forgot how to follow him. We become distracted we begin to put other things in a place of priority. And so I, I, I really believe over the next few weeks as we begin to look at what does it mean to follow Jesus and, and some of the things, what we mean at NBC, what, do we, what are we talking about? When, in fact, when you come into NBC, I'm gonna challenge people to follow Jesus. And what does that mean to abide, to belong, to impact? You're gonna see some of those words. In fact, up there, you're gonna see those symbols over the next few weeks. You're gonna learn about those symbols. You're gonna learn about those words. What do I mean by those words? That we would follow Jesus. Jesus. If you will, take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. It's really going to be the main, main passage we're going to look at today. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Jesus here is, he's headed to Jerusalem. He's headed to the cross. This is where he really begins to really begin to talk to his followers, to, to his disciples, and begin to discuss and prepare them for what's about to take place. In Jerusalem, he's going to face the cross. He's going to face hostility. He's going to face rejection. And he's beginning to prepare his people that are going to follow him. What does that look like? In chapter 16 of Matthew, verse 24, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, I know that that some of you probably right now are going, Greg you're gonna start meddling here, you know? I remember back when I was a kid, you used to always accuse the preacher of he quit preaching and started meddling. In other words, he started getting into their lives too much. Uh, we, we've lost that idea, by the way. The idea here, what really struck me is Jesus was absolutely clear about what it looked like to follow him. And when we use the term follow, we don't talk about like what you do on Facebook or on Instagram or Snapchat TikTok, or whatever the other sites that we follow. You know, there we follow people. And the idea of following is we kind of keep up with what they're doing, but we don't agree with them necessarily. We like to follow people we disagree with so we can kind of give slams, you know, once in a while or those kinds of things. That's not what we're talking about. We begin to talk about following. We begin to talk about what it looks like to adhere to. Remember that term, the idea of to adhere? It's kind of like back in the day when we had bumper stickers. It used to be real popular, you know, and you'd peel it off and you'd stick it to your bumper and it would adhere to that bumper. Or you stick a sticker on something else. When we begin to talk about following, we're talking about a way of changing our lives. And when you look at Matthew chapter 16 and you begin in verse 24, you begin to see that Jesus begins to challenge them in such a way. But look at the, you want to look at the context in which he leads up to this statement. In verses 13 through 20, Jesus has been doing amazing things and he looks to his disciples and he says to them, who do people say that I am? John the Baptist, some think you're John the Baptist, some think you're Elijah, some think maybe Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And Jesus says, he says to them, he says, well, who do you think I am? And Peter steps up and immediately he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Very powerful moment, by the way. Very powerful moment. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says to him, he says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who's in heaven has revealed that to you. It's It's a very powerful moment. In fact, Jesus goes on and he says, from now on, you're Peter, Rock, pebble, is really in the Greek. And then he says, but on this rock, talking about himself, he will build his church. It's amazing, very powerful moment in the life of the disciples, in the life of what Jesus was proclaiming about where he was doing and where he was going. But then when you look down into verses 21 and and 20 to 23, Jesus begins to explain. In fact, if you will, look at verse 21. He says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. It's a, 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 you know, Peter just heard Jesus and said, you're the Christ, but look, Peter, I'm going to to Jerusalem. I'm gonna suffer at the hands of the elders, the scribes, the chief priests, I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna die and I'll raise again on third day. And you know what Peter does? He pulls him to the side and he begins to rebuke Jesus. This this can't happen. There's no way this can happen. You you can't go. In, In Peter's mind, he was looking for the Messiah to come that would deliver Israel out of the hands of the Romans. He was looking for a new king, one who would rule and for once and for all, God's kingdom would be on earth. And Jesus was the one, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You cannot go to Jerusalem. And he began to rebuke him and Jesus responded and he says, get behind me, Satan. Man, go talk about mountaintop to the bottom in just a few verses. Look what he says in, in verse 23. He says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. That's a very powerful verse. Hey, step aside. You're hindering me from what God has called me to do. Why? Because your mind's on the things of man instead of the things of God. you got your own plans. you got your own idea of how victory is going to come about. You you got your own idea of how God's gonna usher in his kingdom. You got your own thoughts about how this is gonna look on earth. Get behind me. Step to the side because your mind's on on the things of man, on your thoughts, not on the thoughts of God. And it's so easy to get there. And so when we walk into verse 24, when Jesus turns around, he says, hey, if anyone... Notice what he says. If anyone, he doesn't just talking about Peter. He's talking about if anyone, if anyone's going to come after me, if anyone's going to follow me, I'm assuming that because you're here this morning, you have an interest in who Jesus is. You have an interest in how God is involved in your life. You have some level of interest or faith or belief. And so Jesus talking to you, he's saying to you, if anyone... Is going to come after me. If anyone's going to follow me, if anyone's going to seek after me, let him do this: deny himself. I don't like that term, right? Because many times when we think about deny ourselves, it's been preached, and I've heard it before. You know, we got to put ourselves below everything else, and we got to deny everything. We got to deny this and deny that, and you know, we really we just try to make ourselves into nothing. And yet Jesus said to love our neighbors ourselves. So somehow we have to have a certain level of love for ourselves, right? We have to care about ourselves. Jesus pulled away and he went and prayed. Jesus pulled away and went and rest. Jesus took care of himself too while he walked on earth to demonstrate to us those things. So what does he mean when he says deny himself? Does it mean I put everything else and everybody else and everything more important than me? Is that what it means? I think the idea here is dealing with the heart, not with what we do. It's moving from control to dependence. Think about that. It's moving from control to dependence. When I receive Jesus into my life, I recognize a new king in my life. I recognize a new authority in my life. I became dependent on him. I'm dependent on Jesus for my standing before God. There's nothing I can do to make myself look any more righteous in the presence of God than what I'm doing right now because I'm resting in Jesus. I'm dependent on Jesus every day, on his spirit to guide me, to lead me, to convict me of righteousness, and of of what is right and what is just, that I might walk in righteousness and I might keep in step with his spirit in my life. I'm dependent on him every day. It's moving from control to dependence. That's what happened to Peter. He went from one point where he's proclaiming, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, to the next moment, Jesus, don't go and die. The very plan in which God had sent his son into our world because he quit thinking of the things of God and he began to think of the things of humanity. Humanity. It's moving from that place of control to dependence. As I was looking at different passages and I was thinking about that and I was thinking about this idea of following Jesus and if if I'm gonna follow him, it's really literally moving from control to dependence. It's moving to a place where if I'm gonna adhere to him, adhere to Jesus, it's, it's moving my words, my ways, my thoughts, conforming them to who he says they are to his ways, to his thoughts, to his purposes. It it really is. I think sometimes we, in the Christian realm, we identify with so many things that isn't necessarily Jesus. And we get distracted. Whether it's in politics or social agenda, whether it's in some activity that we're doing, we put such an emphasis there that we forget that we've been called to follow him. He's the one that calls us to things. He calls the missionary to the mission field, the Jenkins, to what they were doing. It's why I'm here today, because I believe this is where God wants me. Because there's a place where we go from from control to dependence. My life hasn't always turned out what I thought it would turn out to be or the way that things would look, and yet I would change nothing about it because in it, God has taught me so much about himself. To learn patience or to to learn how to have victory over unrighteousness, all of those things as I begin to hear because God in His amazing grace has revealed truth, then the truth is His Son that I now would conform my ways to His ways, my thoughts to His thoughts, my intents to His intents. And as I begin to think about that and looking at different passages, one that came into mind that I really think that really describes it is Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Now, before you go there, don't put it up yet for a second. Please. Maybe they're not listening. All right, they're okay. <laughs> Let me qualify this for a second. And if you've gone there, don't look at it yet. These are some really hard things. What Jesus says here are some really hard things. Don't go lightly. Don't go looking at him and, and try to explain them away. Jesus doesn't mind confronting us with truth. He confronts us with who he is. So when, he, when you read these passages, when you read these verses and they're in situations where Jesus is now heading to Jerusalem and there's people saying, where Jesus is either calling them to follow him or people saying, I want to follow him. And he says some very hard things to them. You, don't, you can't take it lightly. You can't. Or else, or else the hardness of your heart is gonna keep you from hearing what God has to say. The hardness of our hearts keep us. From doing what we want to do or what he wants us to do we do what we want to do all right luke chapter 9 if you will put it up there so as they were going along the road someone said to him i will follow you wherever you go now stop and think jesus heading to jerusalem there's this follower who sees jesus doing all these miracles doing all these wonderful things and they come to jesus and they say hey look i'll follow you wherever you go and Jesus says to him, foxes, uh, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And I was a little, I was a little spent some time thinking about that because, you know, I did see Jesus stayed in a lot of different homes. In fact, we know in Capernaum, he spent some time in one particular house for a time. So what's he talking about here? And I really believe in light of it, what he's talking about is that when he came to earth, he did not find a home, he found rejection. If you go to John chapter one, verse 10, he says, though the world was created by him, the world did not know him. Even though he came to his own, his own rejected him. He's going to Jerusalem and in a few days, they're gonna be, they're gonna be yelling, crucify him, crucify him. They're gonna be yelling for his death. They want him taken out of the way. He's gonna face rejection. You wanna follow Jesus, guess what? You're gonna face rejection. You're gonna face it. We hold back, don't we? We're afraid of what people would say. I made this passionate commitment this year that I'm gonna share with as many people about challenging them about being passionate about following Jesus. I had that opportunity this week with somebody who doesn't go to our church, somebody who doesn't know anything about our church, but they made a comment about believing in Jesus. I said, great. And I began talking to them about following Jesus. I told them why it was so important to me, and I encouraged them to follow as well. You know what? I was afraid they were gonna reject me. I was afraid, and maybe they will still. Maybe they were just nice to my face. I don't know, who knows what they're gonna do. But that doesn't matter. When he calls us, we know it's gonna be rejection. Students, I pray for you guys. You face an amazing battle. Never before in the time of history has there been so much information given to the hands of of our young, of our young men and women that would distract them from following Jesus. You have to decide to follow Jesus. And I don't mean to call you out. I can talk to your moms and dad just as strongly. Never has there been a time when there's been so much that could embark upon us to distract us And we will face rejection. The next next one comes up. Jesus actually calls them. This one was really tough for me. He says to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Sounds like a, a great request. In fact, remember in the Jewish culture, when there was the death of a loved one, it was a priority. In fact, it was expected, especially of the eldest son, all of their other obligations were forgiven, even obligations to the Old Testament law. The highest priority they had was to bury their father or to bury their parents. And so when I read this, I was trying to figure out all kinds of things. Maybe the, maybe the guy was saying, hey, let me go bury my father. I wanna go wait for my inheritance. I heard one, one guy say that's what it is. I heard another. One. I heard all these different ideas, but they all seemed to water down what Jesus was, was saying. Until I realized this, again, it's not what we do, because Jesus isn't denouncing that it's important that we don't bury those of our, our loved ones. But what I begin to realize, what he's saying, is just as in the Jewish culture, the priority of burying their parents became the highest priority. If you're gonna follow Jesus, guess what becomes the pri- highest priority? Following Jesus. Whatever that is. And all of a sudden when you say, hey, look, I'm gonna follow after Jesus and I'm gonna follow him, it becomes my priority in life. It has to be the highest priority where you're not following him. You're not, you're not adhered to him. You're not sticking to his teachings. You're not following his ways. If it's not the highest priority, because something else will come come along and demand your attention and demand your allegiance, to demand your efforts, to demand, demand your, your your loyalty. It has to be him. It has nothing to do with, oh, we shouldn't bury, that we shouldn't care about, it has everything to do with what is the priority of our lives. Where are you at? What is, when it comes to following Jesus, where's the priority in your life? The third one comes, and this one, <clears throat> Yet another says, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. It seems like, again, another fair request. In fact, if you go in the Old Testament, Elisha, when he was called, he said, let me go say goodbye to my family, and they let him go. Seems like, again, a fair request, right? But the point, again, isn't what we do or don't do. The point is at the heart of the matter. When you understand, when Jesus says to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The picture of this, again, is whereby <clears throat> when God calls us, there is no hesitation. The priority of following Jesus becomes the, the, the emphasis of our life. It becomes that there's no hesitation in, in God's call. If Jesus is calling you today and you don't know Jesus, there's no hesitation, If you've been walking in a different direction and Jesus is calling you to follow him, there's no hesitation. If you look in Matthew chapter four, when he calls Simon, he calls James and John, it says immediately they followed him. There's no hesitation. And he uses the illustration of the plow that once you get started on the the job and you got the rope for the the plow horse and you got your hold of your plow and you're, you're setting your line straight, And you begin to plow, if you look back, what happens? It's no different than driving, what? Every time, every one of my kids, I taught how to drive. What's the first words I told them? Keep your eyes on the road, right? Right? Because if you don't, what happens? well, it just jumped out in front of me, Dad, that tree, you know? I, you know we, we get offline. And it's the same picture. It's if we become distracted, if the priority of our walks and following Jesus, anything else causes us to hesitate, we'll get distracted. And we'll walk in a different direction. We'll forget the words of Jesus. So when he says back in, back in Matthew chapter 16... And in 24, and he talks about there, he's moving us from control to dependence. When we deny ourselves, and he says, take up his cross. In the Jewish culture, they would understand exactly what that means. Because when the criminal had broken the laws, they were required to take that cross and bear part of it to, to the spot where they would be crucified. And it was a demonstration, a public demonstration, that they were submissive to the very authority that they had been opposed to. They had broken their laws. They had rejected the the, the ruling power. And so now they were being crucified and they were carrying and they were showing submission. When we apply that to Jesus, it's the same picture. At one time, I controlled my life and I rebelled against Christ. I did not want God in my life. I did not want God dictating his ways in my life. And I rebelled against him. And when I receive Christ into my life and I begin to follow him, I then take those things that once were, which I hung hung on and controlled, and I submit myself to him. And it's a daily thing. It's a daily battle of of putting off that old man and putting on that new man, of, of denying myself of those things that I want when God has called me to something else. It's how I deal with sin in my life. I remind myself, that isn't what I've been created for. That isn't who I am anymore. I don't want that anymore. And guess what? I battle it day in, day out. I deny myself. I put on that cross. I submit to another authority, not mine. I submit to Jesus and I follow him. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, it says, and whosoever does not take his cross and follow me, look what he says, is not worthy of me. These are hard words. These are words that confront us because they confront the very core of what we want in life. We want it our way. We've been taught that, right? We've been been told that. We deserve it. We've been told all these things and the reality is what we deserve is judgment without Christ. And God has reached into our world by sending his son, Jesus Christ. And his son dwelt among us And he was calling humanity to himself that whoever would believe would be saved, they would be redeemed, they would be set free from the bondage of sin and death. My my realization of victory over death is my realization that Jesus has already conquered. And I rest in him. I follow after him. And to not follow him is to not to be worthy of him. In fact, he says in, slide, in uh, sorry, John chapter 10, verse 10, he also says this, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let me ask you this. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say yes or no. But do you believe that? See, I, I would venture many of you don't. I would venture many of you think that the Christian life is very difficult. God hasn't answered your prayers where God hasn't come through, you're struggling. And God never promised us. Remember, God never promised glory and everything would be. All right, there will be one day, it says in Colossians chapter three, it says that our life is in Christ and our life is hid in him. And one day when he is revealed, we will be revealed with him in glory. But until then, I'm gonna follow Jesus. Because see, what I believe is that when I follow Jesus, then I find the, really the purpose of life the abundant life that he promised is what I believe. In fact, he so much says that if you look at the following verse, 25, he says, for whoever saves his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever continues to control their life, just like Peter, when he was like, Lord, you can't go to the cross. To us, it seems so absurd that Peter would, would deny that when we know what the great victory is to go to the cross, that Jesus has redeemed us. It seems crazy to think that that anybody would want to stop Jesus from that because of his victory. But it's no different today. There's many things that, that we think, oh no, God, you can't do that. God, you can't touch my kids. You can't touch my family. God, you can't touch my body. And those times, sometimes we face struggles in our lives. It isn't the path. It isn't what we do or don't do always. It's who we believe in. That we would begin to conform our life after him. When we hang on to the control of our life and we don't move to dependence, what does he say? Whoever would save his life, hang on to that, loses it. But whoever loses his life and they move from control into dependence... They deny themselves, they take up on that cross and they show that submission in the the walks and who they are. And they submit to him. Whoever loses their life for me, they find it. Think about that, it's that simple. What path are you on? In fact, he goes on and he says in verse 26, he says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? You may accomplish much in your life, you may attain much, you may build up much, but what difference does it make if you forfeit your soul? I don't know, maybe you'd be so great somewhere down hundred years, 200 years from now, we'd be walking by you in a museum. Is that, is that really attaining the world? Like we do when we go through museums and we read about famous kings and, and is, that, is that all there is to life? I believe in a life that is far greater I believe in a life that is found in the one who created us, who bred life into humanity and called us to himself. I believe in him and I follow after him. There's a series, if you haven't seen it, called The Chosen um, out there. It's it's an app and and so forth, but it's been really, really good. I want to show a clip. And in this clip, it's a scene where they're kind of putting together two or three passages and and, uh, but I think it really kind of emphasizes what we kind of just talked about. It's a scene where Jesus tells them to drop their nets. They've been fishing all night. They hadn't caught anything. And now and where we pick up is where they now are catching the fish. If you will, go ahead and show that.
0: I told you! I told
1: you! I told you! The boat,
0: it's God, yes I am depart from me I am a sinful man you don't know who I am the things I've done don't be afraid Simon
1: I'm sorry we, we've waited for you for so long we believe but my faith how sorry
0: lift up your head
1: fisherman Anything you ask, I will do.
0: Follow me. As well. Yes, you, James, and John. Come. Follow me. I'll take the fish
1: into market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats.
0: Are you sure? Yes, go! What will you tell Emma? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go now!
1: I love that last part. you just been called or you just found the man you've been praying for your whole life and you're worried about the excuse you're gonna give for suffer when you miss suffer. Go, go. Let me ask you, what's keeping you from following Jesus? What excuse, what hindrance, what has taken the priority, what's keeping you from following Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, we just, uh, we just ask, Father, that you would... Speak to us, your people. I know, Father, many here this morning are in different places in their walks with you. There's different things that are going on, and God, you lovingly and gently call them to yourself. May your spirit move among their hearts. That, Father, each of us would decide and follow after you. Sometimes we, like Peter and James and John, who who immediately left and followed. Sometimes we just immediately need to make the change. We need to make that decision. God, give us the wisdom and the strength to do that. Awaken us, enlighten us, that we might know the path which we follow. In Jesus' name, amen.